Hello everybody, welcome to the Puppy Training Principles Podcast. I'm Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training, and today we're going to talk about some common dog training mistakes that we often see, we see all the time. And we're just going to go with three of them today, and maybe we'll talk about more of these in the future, but three common dog training mistakes that people make when training their dog. First of all, let's start with a story here. Uh, once upon a time, I was training a dog, and this dog was super dog reactive, okay? It would see another dog and it would go crazy. Now, of course, we've gotten to a point with this dog where it wouldn't go crazy anymore, but you could tell by its body language and its just state of mind that it was still pretty freaked out about other dogs and had been bit in the past, was definitely super stressed when another dog came around in its mind that any dog that came close to it was going to harm it and so it was going to harm that dog first right and so that may not be your dog but that's the the situation that i was in uh with this dog and this dog was doing great we had worked with it for a couple months and it was time to do a field trip so we had gone to um a big big box hardware store and we were working with this dog and as we're there with this dog probably I would say 80 to 100 feet away another dog and owner started it noticed this dog and started coming toward and this dog was pulling its owner all the way to this other dog and I saw this situation I thought okay this is not good we don't want this to happen Um, we don't want to to have these dogs interact right and so this, this person's being dragged by their dog, and it wasn't a big dog, so they could have stopped the dog from dragging them, but they were allowing it to happen. And they're dragging toward this dog that uh, myself and this owner had in this big box store, and as it's getting closer, I'm, I, I have the leash of the reactive dog, and I hand that to the owner, and the owner has the leash, and I kind of step between the two dogs. And this dog is just like looking around me and the owner just says, oh, my dog is just so friendly. They just, they just have to meet. And I was like, no, they, they don't need to meet. Oh, they just have to meet. No, this dog's in training. They don't need to meet. And they're inching closer and closer as this happens. And finally I step in between them and stop and turn to the lady and say, no, this dog is dog aggressive. They do not need to meet. And the the lady kind of stepped back like, how dare you talk to me and my dog that way? And when I said this dog is dog aggressive, she looked at the dog and she looked at me with this look of, how dare you come into a place like this and threaten all of our lives? And (laughs) it's not uncommon to, to see things like that. And it was fine. But what I was trying to tell her three times was, no, I don't want your dog to come up to this dog. And she wasn't listening to that. And so I had to kind of up the ante and say, hey, don't do this. Now, I didn't think this dog would react at this point in the training, but I wasn't about to test it. I wasn't about to to show the dog that we'd been training and that we weren't going to go to bat for it. And so by us blocking that behavior, it gave that dog a chance. That dog went on and did great. So that brings up common mistakes number one. They just have to meet. 
Now, sometimes the problem with this mistake is it's not always tragic. <laughs> it's not always a big deal. Sometimes it becomes a big nothing burger. But often it does, and maybe it doesn't with your dog, or maybe it doesn't uh, in some situations where you've seen, but it happens enough that we hear about it all the time. So they just have to meet. So meeting face-to-face -face on a tight leash, I would say, is mistake number one. Never, ever, ever should dogs meet face-to-face -face on a tight leash. So if you want two dogs to meet, there are better ways to go about it, okay? But on a tight leash is not the right way. And let me tell you why. So from a behavioral standpoint, dogs really react to every situation in about four ways, okay? They, they are either going to fight that situation. They're going to try and run away from that situation. They are going to be avoidant in that situation, or they're going to accept that situation, okay? Those are the four different ways where it's just going to be like, okay, I'm fine, I'm good. That's the acceptance. That's what we want, right? But when dogs feel pressure from a leash, and I've talked about this in lots of podcasts before, they feel that pressure, their brain tells them to lean into it, and they have this reflex called opposition reflex where they lean into it when they feel pressure. They lean into pressure. So a tight leash is sending them in a certain direction. So if you think of those four reactions, so there's dogs walking up toward another dog and they can react in four ways, right? Uh, well, can this dog now run away? No, can't run away because of opposition reflex. That reflex is making that dog go forward, okay? It's involuntary. That dog is going to meet face to face with that dog because the leash is tight around their, their flat collar or any collar. Okay, so they're feeling that pressure, they're gonna meet. So they one, they, they cannot run away because their brain won't let them. Two, they can't avoid it because their brain won't let them. So that only leaves now two options. We've minimized our options to two. One, they can totally accept it and be like, oh good, we're friends now. Or the other option is they can fight. Okay, they can fight it. And lots of dogs, especially ones that have had bite experiences or other traumatic experiences, or sometimes just because of their temperament and, and behavior, they're going to fight. They're going to say, hey, this is a threat to me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight back. And so meeting on a tight leash, bad idea. What should you do instead? Instead of going, like if you want two dogs to meet, uh, the best thing you could do is if you have if you know the person, is to go on a walk with them where there's not a lot of interaction between the two dogs. You're just walking in the same direction. You've got flow. You're just walking and going. And it's like, hey, we know you're, I know you're there, but I'm walking. And hey, this dog's not so bad. And the acceptance is more likely to happen. That's what we, we ultimately want, that acceptance. And so sometimes uh, that's, that's a better option. If you think about it from a human perspective, maybe to help us understand it a little better, if we were like in a in a tight situation all of a sudden, I wouldn't be really comfortable with a total stranger. But if I had gone on some walks with them or had had some time to, you know, have a little bit more space but sit and talk with them, then I would be more will like it wouldn't be as awkward if we got stuck on an elevator or something together, right? It wouldn't be as bad. 
Now, if it's a total stranger and you're stuck in a tight, precarious situation, then it could be pretty stressful. And that's why for us and for our dogs, we want to give them the best opportunity to succeed. So they don't just have to meet. They don't have to smell each other, right? Like, you think about it. Their noses are amazing. Do you think they really need to get that close to smell another dog? They they can, like, from across the room, they can know more about that dog than we probably ever will. And more about us, right? They understand and they know because their noses are so good. They can, they can smell that stuff, right? So they don't need to be right next to each other. They don't just need to meet. Um, now, you know your dog, and sometimes it's going to work with your dog, but you have to make sure the other dog is also game in that situation. There's plenty of dogs where I'd say, oh, they're fine. Let's throw them, you know throw them in a spot together and we can just kind of monitor it and they'll be fine. But I wouldn't ever start that way. Never would I start that way. So common mistake number one, they don't, is just meeting face to face on a tight leash. Okay. Bad, bad idea. Tight leash meeting, never good. Common mistake number two is petting at the wrong time in the wrong way. So a lot of times, and people accept this, we realize that petting is a reward for a dog. Touch is often reward-based to most dogs. And so that touch needs to come at the right time. A lot of times I see people that, for example, they're teaching their dog to sit. And they tell their dog to sit, and then they give it a little love, and it didn't sit. And then it, they tell it to sit again, and then they give it some love. And you're just like, no, 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 that's totally out of order. You're confusing your dog. You, you you don't want to give that touch at the wrong time. When For me, when a dog is super amped up, or when a dog, you can tell their state of mind, they're just, you know, maybe they're nervous, maybe they're scared, um, maybe they're anxious, whatever it may be, we don't want to perpetuate that state of mind. The phrase we like to use is you get what you pet. So if a dog is nervous and we have to pet that dog to calm it down, you are making it so your dog always has to be in that situation. They always have to have you to get through that stress. And we don't want that. We want our dogs to be able to have a stressful situation and say, oh, I can deal with this. Just like we would want our children to grow up that same way, right? Um, We feel bad for them, but ultimately we want them to be able to handle it on their own. So I would say petting at the wrong time is one of the things I see most often. People, you know, I think a lot of times we want to touch our dogs because it feels good to us. And we want to be reassuring because we feel like that's what a good dog owner would do. But when they're in a bad state of mind, not a good idea, okay? So pet them after the task is complete or when their state of mind comes down. You get that sigh out of your dog, that's a really great time if they're like they're laying down or, or there and they just go, that's a great time to just reach over and give a little gentle touch. Um, and then in the wrong way, so when there's too much energy in that petting. Now we all know people like this and maybe that is us, right? Maybe that's you. That's that you, you love to get a dog amped up. Okay. It is not hard. It's not a special gift or anything to get a dog amped up. I remember I, I've had people come before and they see all these dogs that we're working with and they're like, Oh, dogs love me. And they get them all amped up and they're like, see, like they, they love me. They're happy. They're excited. 
And the, <laughs> we got to remember that all this energy, all this craziness, um, crazy and adrenaline does not equal happy. It just means adrenaline. And again, this is the easy part. The easy part is amping them up. The hard part is helping them learn to calm down. And I would say, I would say 95% of people that come to dog training, that is one of their main issues. One of their main issues is that their dog is too amped up or too stressed or too, and it's all adrenaline. If we want to boil it down to just a chemical property, it's all adrenaline. And yet they don't know how to go the other direction. They don't know how to turn it off. And so petting too vigorously is going to be part of that problem. So common mistake number one, meeting face-to-face on a tight leash. Common mistake number two is petting at the wrong time or in the wrong way, which kind of leads into number three. Number three is amping them up before a walk, okay? So, you know, what we see a lot of times is it's too much talk, um, jingling the keys, pulling out the toys and trying to get a dog amped up before a walk. Because in our human world, we want to get excited for events before they happen, right? We, we, we want to say, oh, this is exciting. And, and that, that journey to the event is exciting, right? That's, it's not just the event, it's the journey to the event. However, dogs, they live in the moment. They're just so good at living right in the moment. And so when we say, you know, like, we're like you want to go for a walk? I want to go for a walk? And they get all amped up. And then we wonder why the heck they're struggling on the walk and why they're pulling us everywhere and why they won't calm down and things like that. Or they jingle those keys or you pull out the toy and like, hey, let's go play. Let's go. And then they're being bad in the car and they're all over the place. And, you know, it's those things we're, we're, we're building the world that we get. And if we don't want some of those bad behaviors, then we can follow a different pattern. Um, so I like to follow the rule of thirds with walks. So the first, let's say it's a half hour walk, the first 10 minutes is gonna be focused. I'm gonna have them waiting at the door, gonna have their state of mind come down so that they can calm down. And, and then you know, we're going to release them and we're gonna heal and we're gonna be really focused for the first 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes in the middle, we're gonna play, we're gonna throw, you know, we're gonna get them amped up. And then the last 10 minutes, we're going to help them cool down and kind of start to control that adrenaline again and be focused again. Focus kills chaos. Given lots of podcasts on that. Focus kills chaos. So as you start to give your dog a certain focus to follow, which is often obedience, like healing and waiting and things like that, then your dog can start to calm down and have that self-control. Discipline like this, gets, it gets a negative rap. But self-discipline really leads to greater freedom for, for us and for our dogs. It, it doesn't need to be a negative. I think the false perception kind of comes when we start to believe that um, if a dog is crazy or amped up, then that means that they are happy, right? And if we believe that, if we take that as ultimate truth, then hold still self-discipline means that they're not happy. But that's kind of silly, isn't it? Because we, we know that, that calm, we need calm in our lives. We need peace in our lives. And we need those moments where we're not always on the roller coaster. As much, as, as much fun as that is, I don't want to live on a roller coaster. And too many dogs are taught and even chemically trained to live on a roller coaster. And they hardly have that time to come down 
And so their body has to always be fueling that adrenaline and it's not healthy for them and it's not good for them. And so if that's our false perception, then you can see how we could reach that. But if, if we just say it's just adrenaline, that yeah, of course it's natural, but it, it causes a lack of control and robs of really, you know, robs you of really living in the moment, then self-discipline equals happiness, right? Then they're happy when they're in control. And man, I think this is, this could be a, a deeper podcast for another day. But if, if we believe the right thing from the start where we don't, we don't equate happiness with movement and crazy and jumping around and all of those things. I, I've watched dogs wag their tail right before they bite into somebody because they were totally freaked out and they're totally stressed. So wagging a tail doesn't mean a dog's happy. It just means there's some movement. There's some adrenaline there. And so common mistake number three is amping them up before a walk. Don't do it. Just find a way. The better way is to use that focus and to help them have control. Of course you can have fun. Of course you can have a great time. But you've got to be able to help your dog be able to turn it on and turn it off. So three common mistakes just to rehash. Common mistake number one, meeting face-to-face on a tight leash. Do something different like walk side by side instead of meeting face to face. Common mistake number two, petting at the wrong time in the wrong way. Your timing is super important and also just keep the petting down to a minimum. Don't get them all amped up. And number three, amping them up before the walk is a recipe for disaster. So if you avoid those three common mistakes, you're going to have a happier dog starting right now. You can make it happen and you can make it go. Guys, I'm here for you, and I hope that this podcast is one that you'll say, oh, there's something I could work on. You know your dog. You know what's going to be most important to work on for your dog. And I always say it's not a problem unless it's a problem. This is, these are common mistakes. It doesn't mean that this isn't – it's not totally prescriptive for every dog, and maybe your dog's a little different. But I always start with the ground level and build from there. And we've had a lot of success helping dogs change and be better. And people love their dogs more because of it. So go ahead and take these three common mistakes and change them in your dog's life for a happier, more fulfilled life. It's good talking with you. We'll see you next time.